Welcome to the Passion Purpose Power Podcast. I'm your host, Ames. I'm a neurodivergent, fat, queer counsellor, coach and clinical supervisor, and I love stories. I love hearing your stories, I love sharing stories, and I love talking with people about their stories. In this podcast, I'm going to introduce you to interesting people with interesting stories to share about their passions, purpose and power. If you love this podcast, please don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss any amazing episodes, and come and find me on social media. I want to hear from you, and please share your stories with me. Welcome to this episode of the Passion and Purpose Power podcast. I'm really excited to be joined by Victoria Oldman, who is a good friend of mine. Uh, we've known each other for a few years now, and this is the best bit about having the podcast is I can just get all my friends on and have a lovely chat. It's wonderful. Um, so I'm just going to introduce uh, Victoria to you. Victoria is in an engagement and development worker at the Clare Project in Hastings. Victoria is responsible for facilitating psychosocial support groups and workshops for the trans, non-binary and intersex community. In addition to this, Victoria also leads the delivery of TNBI awareness and inclusivity training to organisations in the public and private sector. Following an emotional vigil for murdered 16-year-old Brianna Gay in 2023, Victoria co-founded Trans Pride Hastings, the first official event of its kinds, taking place over eight days across Hastings, St Leonard's and Bexhill. This significant occasion offered 15 events that focused on community building, support and celebration, counteracting the toxic conversation about trans lives in the media. Hailed as a proactive educator of the LGBT plus community, this inspiring ambassador of trans rights shares positive experiences that enable and support others to be their true authentic selves. Welcome, Victoria. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> How does it feel to have that read out? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I, I think when... Yeah, that's unusual. That's unusual. But uh, yeah, I could probably get used to it. If someone wanted to do that most days. Um, it makes me sound very, very, very um, important. And I'm not, I'm really not. Um, but yeah, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, this right. is Nigel, by the way. I should probably uh, mention that. The, the, the... I, yeah, I should have introduced like that. Those that are having the joy of watching this on a video, on the video, it, you'll see Nigel. Uh, he's the most affectionate cat. It's outrageous. <laughs> Um, um, but if you're just listening on audio, you won't get the joy of Nigel. So you'll no, have to just you, go and watch the video. On the audio version, you might you might hear me sort of struggle every once in a while as claws get dug into my <laughs> knee or I lift a cat off my lap. It's worth explaining. Amazing. He's not amazing. No, I'm I'm very much enjoying having Nigel there as well. <laughs> um well, so so yeah. Uh what let's start with passion. What what are you passionate about victoria what 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 excites you what kind of gets you out of bed in the morning what um what would you say you are passionate about gosh um i well so a few things some much smaller than others i'm quite passionate about my um my fortnight profile at the moment um <laughs> on the xbox which is ridiculous um but the, but the main thing i suppose is really it's, it's supporting, uh, you know, others around me, not just, you know, obviously I work within the sort of trans and non-binary community. Um, and I think it would be very easy for me to say, I'm, I'm passionate about trans rights. And of course I am as a trans woman, I'm very passionate about those. Um, but I'm not, that's not what I do. I'm not sort of out there sort of really sort of fighting in a sort of activism led way. Um, mm there are plenty of people doing that and obviously more people are needed but it's not sort of where i excel in my own space what i what i like to do is, is sort of more 
um, ground level, I guess, support for those around me. Um, mm. Because that's, it benefits me too. I think that's the other thing. I think it's really, um, I think it's really difficult to separate that out. I think it's it's very difficult to be like completely selfless. I think if I told you, oh, I just, everything I do is for others, that'd be yeah. nice. Um, yeah. So there's a, there's, a, there's a really good sort of two-way tug there, I think, that sort of helps us sort of get through this sort of quite difficult time at the moment um, and drives me to sort of keep going forward. So that is really at the heart of sort of everything I do, from the, the work I do to sort of personal projects um, and be those sort of like large scale on a, on a you know, a, mm. over a series of months or, or something very small just in, a, in an average day. So, mm. um, so, yeah, really it's just about sort of like support and, and making sure that, I don't know, we're all sort of getting through things as comfortably and as easily, I guess, as we can. Um, yeah. And often that is through a, a lens of, of of those within my own community. Yeah, yeah, no, I hear that, I hear that. And, I, and this might be a massive question, but what I... I don't want to assume the level of knowledge of, of anybody listening to this podcast. Um, so can you tell me something about the landscape in which trans people uh, and the LGBTQ plus community find themselves within at the minute in this country? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, it's not it's not the rosiest of conversations. I will say that yeah. um, we're in a difficult time at the moment. You know, I think things have been tricky for a long time, uh, particularly for the, the trans and non-binary community. Um, but it's really sort of ramped up in the last few years as the um as the uk media really has sort of gone on a sort of real all-out attack um on us um but i think coupling that you've seen a lot of things happening in the states um and that's sort of inferred things over here and just generally this sort of discussion is quite um is quite negative i hate the fact that there is a discussion i hate the fact that i'm using yeah. words like discussion to um yeah. describe people's lives um so I think whilst there are some really difficult things that are being sort of shown to us on a daily basis, you know, I think there was a there was a front page news article uh, only two days ago in, in, in the Daily Mail, of course, of all things. Um, but when I see a headline and the first word is trans, I know it's not going to be trans woman is fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's quite that's quite difficult and I think as a result of that it's quite scary and quite um anxiety inducing for anyone that is affected by that and, and that's not just people within the community I think everyone's affected by that the sort of whole yeah. slant of everything that's um going on within this space is all based around fear and um panic you know and so actually what you've got is you've got people on all sides within the community and outside all going oh my gosh what are we going to do I'm really scared and actually it's not it's not really anything to be scared of in terms of uh, the existence of trans and non-binary and gender diverse folk but actually on this side we're sitting there thinking are we okay is it safe for me to do the things that I want to do can I access the services that I need to mm -hmm. um uh access and um and what does the future hold for me um just as a as a human being so mm -hmm. um yeah, that's a very that's a that's an incredibly condensed version of what's going on. But it's yeah, ultimately it's just not not a not a great space in the wider in the wider sort of uh, circles, I guess. I think I would like to think that sort of day to day and certainly coming off the back of a lot of pride events, um and, and trans pride events that have been larger than they've ever been, um, mm. I would hope that people are at least um 
a little bit stronger, a little bit sort of more energized than they were sort of going into sort of June and July. Yeah, all of that, obviously all the sort of pride events and things that really sort of do give us that sort of strength and sort of sense of community. And, th and that is really only a small part of everything. Um, it, it is short lived. It's not something that, that extends, you know, we, yeah. we talk about sort of companies sort of rainbow washing things and this idea of, um, of um of it being sort of all temporary but actually on the on the other end it, it, it really is you know after arranging uh transport hastings this year and that being we did a week-long series of events for that it ending was quite substantial when you're like oh it's, it's it's ended it still ends you know whether it lasts a day a week or anything it still has an, an ending point and that's quite um that's quite difficult to to, to wrap your head around as well it's yeah. something that should exist all year and and um and by having these sort of physical things that happen these physical events that take place that bring us all together is something that we can actually grab hold of um and yeah. it's harder to do that when it's not literally there so um yeah yeah it can be a bit tricky yeah no that's a it's a really good summing up of a, of a massive um landscape of of what what's actually going on um and i hear that i you know it, what you were saying there was sort of i guess the difference between perhaps like i don't know frontline activism versus on the ground support mm. for the people that really need those that that support it's it that's a the, yeah they're different things and and both really important but yeah absolutely and they both and they do interact you know i think i think yeah. quite often it's the people that are doing that sort of work that need the support as well themselves you know I, yeah. I think we there's so much responsibility that comes onto the community to to educate to fight to um support yeah. each other and to just exist anyway that actually doing all those things it's very difficult to do them all at once um yeah. it's not impossible um and you can only do them for a certain amount of time you know throughout my sort of uh professional roles within sort of uh trans and non-binary environments there is there is time limits actually recognizing that and going actually i don't think i can do that for much longer because i need to switch to something else in order to allow my batteries to recharge um mm. and also not yeah. to be um the single voice in the conversation as well i think that's really important yeah yeah um do you do you feel like you're yeah you're able to find that kind of recharge space for you personally no, <laughs> I think I think that's the short answer is, is no. Um, but I think it does. It, you do have to just sort of shift up the things that you do. I mean, I uh, I mean, you mentioned it briefly in my sort of bio at the top there. But like um, one of the things that I was doing for a long time was running support groups and facilitating drop in centers and things like that. And that was the bulk of my work. Um, and actually now this year I've started to, to to move away from that. I still do some. I run a cooking therapy workshop uh, twice a twice a month in Brighton, which is just the most amazing thing. And we can talk about it, but it's the most amazing thing um, ever. But that's kind of the only sort of real thing I do within that space now, sort of really sort of yeah. frontline sort of um, support within the community. Um, and I've moved for for this time to sort of be doing more. Uh, training and um, and yeah. speaking to people outside of the community and allies and those that want to learn to try and it's just a different it's a different um, it's a different battle I suppose um, but mm. I think it's important to be able to to be able to do that sort of that moving away so yes um, 
can certainly help yeah. me to be able to. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily in nicer situations um, yeah. because actually doing sort of training and talking to people on that level is um, it's very different. You get some very interesting yeah. things said. Um, but it's outside of the sort of personal trauma. Um, yeah. And I think that's yeah. the thing that was important to step away from for a, for a bit. Yeah. I will yeah. go back. I think it's really human to acknowledge the fact that that being in those spaces and giving that much to that kind of work is very rarely sustainable in the long term. You've got mm -hmm. to be able to step in and out and and have people, you know, shift around and take over and, you know, it, to have it be a bit more fluid, I guess. Um, otherwise, you will burn out. <laughs> yes. And, and we see it, you know, we see it. Yeah. I, I also think there's a degree of... Um, of sort of separation between those between those roles, and actually, what what uh, I was getting into a situation where I just kind of needed to be around sort of my own tribe, as it were, without that being uh, in a professional setting. You know, yeah. having allow it to be a, a completely social setting, um, yeah. because that is a different that is a different relationship um, yeah. on all sides. So I think that was also yeah. important. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the cooking therapy thing, because that sounds amazing. What, tell me about it. What, what, what does that involve? So it's wonderful. It's called Group Nourish. Um, and it is uh, it is run with, uh, with the Claire Project. Um, and it takes place in Brighton. And it's run by myself and uh, a person called Serge, who is a therapist. Um, and it is a, yeah, it's a cooking therapy workshop for trans, non-binary and intersex people. We meet twice a month for approximately five hours. Um, and what we do is we get into the community kitchen in Brighton, which is this incredible kitchen. You walk in and it's like a it's like the set of Ready Steady Cook, but multiplied. It's it's beautiful. Um and makes it very much easier. I couldn't you certainly can do it in my kitchen. Um <laughs> so and we meet and we cook, we cook various things. It's not a it's not a cooking school. We don't tell people how to cook. I am not a cook. Um and uh, yeah, we all cook together. We decide on what we're gonna cook the, the previous session, you know, for this one. And um, we do people's own recipes, family uh, things. We um, have guest chefs that come in, um, always from within the community. We've had uh, Leng Montgomery, who was on um, MasterChef, uh, came in and cooked for us. Um, and yeah, so we, we do that, we, we prepare a lovely meal. Um, we always do sort of um, vegan and gluten-free options uh as part of our set menu and then we all sit down and we eat together which is wonderful around a nice big sort of you know family-like table um and then we spend a couple of hours just kind of sharing around the table and that's a really that's the, the sort of really significant and 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 lovely part of the experience and then we do more washing up than i've ever seen in my life and it's um <laughs> horrific so the the end of it is kind of like oh i don't you know i, I come home and i just don't I, you don't want to see how much washing up there is my sink right now it's because I just can't do it anymore um but it's a really wonderful experience and it really helps that sort of having um having tasks to do whilst we're in that space so yeah. it really brings the group together and sort of we are all cooking we're all sort of doing things that we maybe haven't always been comfortable to do or we're learning new things even though that's not the, the purpose of it and that mm. is what um enables all of the sort of connection that happens and it's a really it's a really wonderful group it normally has about sort of 15 to 15 to 16 people uh each each time in it they they drop in and drop out so it, it sort of rotates quite a lot we've been doing it for gosh 18 months now um yeah. and are about to apply for some more funding 
Um, and it's wonderful. It's just it's the most wholesome thing I've ever done, and and we eat very well, which is also yeah. a very nice thing to to do. So um, yeah. yeah, I can't. I honestly can't fault it. It's fabulous. And and um, what a perfect name because that just sounds so nourishing. Like yeah. just the the community, the 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 act of of cooking and working with food, and then the eating and the the talking part of it just sounds. I don't know, like some Walton Mountain style. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it really is, and, it, and it's really lovely. And I think you can you can really sort of see the benefit. People get different things out of it. Yeah. So you know, the, the cooking experience is one thing. Um, and yeah. It's really nice to, you know, <clears throat> as anyone will say, it's really lovely to, to just create something um, and for it to be delicious at the end is also great. But also that that sort of dining setting is also very, um, very wonderful in that. It's, um, it's not something we all have access to. Uh, it's not something that everyone has experienced in their lives. Um, and it really does sort of bring everyone together. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's a really lovely group. It's, it's quite... Um, it's, it's got quite a large uptake of sort of neurodivergent folk that come to it is that that's that whilst that wasn't necessarily how it was started that's kind of where it's sort of ended up at this point um and we just have yeah we have really wonderful sort of very relaxed sort of yeah. time together and i think that's kind of that's the important part of it there isn't really any pressure um yeah. there's no shortage <clears throat> certainly in brighton at the moment with things that the claire project do and transcribe Brighton and the Ledwood Centre and things. There's no shortage of spaces uh, and places like the Query as well. There's no shortage of spaces for drop-ins for um, <clears throat> gender expansive people to go and hang out. But actually what you're starting to see now is things for people to do. And that's where yeah. sort of Nourish sort of steps in. Um, and there's all sorts of activities like that, which is really wonderful. I think it, it, it's, um, it really sort of engages people in a way that, that other things can't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it adds an, a, a different energy, I suppose, to a, a thing to do and create and be, as opposed to drop-ins, which are also great but different. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. it makes sure everyone's fed, and and you know, it's really <laughs> there's we we always have food in abundance. People always leave with little goodie bags to take away and things. So it's, yeah, it's really lovely. And we don't make anything. I should stress, we're not making anything super uh, complex. You know, we're we're not doing yeah. radical sort of. <laughs> uh dining options uh but we are sort of doing you know nice and wholesome things and we do and we theme things as well so at halloween we normally do a really nice sort of um you know sort of autumn sort of blowout of of nice sort of uh warming things lots of soups and pies nice. and stuff which is great and we do a big yeah. hanukkah uh session as well towards the end of the year it's, it's yeah just i it's the best thing i think i've ever done i love it so much. <laughs> wow that sounds amazing um I kind of want to. I, I want to ask about Trans Pride Hastings, and I want to mm -hmm. ask about more about the the training that you do. Because um, sure. I think I think <clears> that <throat> from from some of the things that you told me about that before, there's some really interesting stuff going on there, particularly among GPs and healthcare services and that kind of thing. So let's start there, and then we'll come to Trans Pride Hastings. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. What, tell, tell me. Tell us a little bit about the the, the training and stuff you do. Sure. So, um, so yeah, in my role at the Claire Project, I am um, now technically the training lead. I have led on all of our sort of um, trans non-binary and intersex awareness training that we've been delivering for <clears throat> the last few years, um, and it takes place in really sort of a number of different ways. One of the uh, more sort of substantial, I suppose, and um, significant projects that I've been working on for the last 
I, you know, I always, at this point, I'm like, I can never remember how long anything's been going on for. I think <laughs> ever since COVID, it's like, everything feels like it was a year ago, but it was probably four years ago. Um, yes. So I'm going to say 18 months. Let's say that just be conservative. Um, I've been working on a project with the NHS and the, the local commissioning services to um, train um, GPs and GP practices across Sussex um, in trans, non-binary and intersex awareness. Um, and it's a two-part piece of training. So part A is normally led by myself, um, which is all about sort of community awareness, having um, all members of staff within those clinical settings and primary care settings to better understand the needs and experiences um, of those certain parts of the community. Um, and then also with a look at what can we do to to be better at sort of serving them really. So how can we um, how can we better listen to their needs? How can we understand uh, where they're coming from and what are the things within normally what are quite antiquated antiquated um, um, systems yeah. uh, to uh, to just sort of alleviate that. I mean, a lot of the people that are coming along are going, yeah, our systems are terrible and we can't change them. So what is it that we can do to sort of work around um, those hurdles? Um, and then there's a part B to the training, which is normally led by WellBN, uh, in in Brighton, which is a clinical side of things, which more actively goes into how can um, GPs uh, look at providing uh, bridging hormones and um, intermediary care for people on waiting lists. Um, so it's a really wonderful piece of work. It's it's all funded by the NHS, so so the the, the people that are attending are paid to go there, which means they show up. Um, and I'm paid to be there to talk to them, so that means I show up, um, yeah. and it all kind of works for everyone. It's a bit tricksy at times, you know. Um, GPs aren't known for their sort of always their sort of warm, engaging nature. So sometimes I'm literally just talking to a room full of blank faces, uh, blank screens on Zoom. Um, but for the most part, things people are, are really engaged, and it's a, it's a really wonderful um, thing to do. I haven't got the stats to hand but I think we've trained I think it's 147 staff I think across um the last the last year um and it's open to everyone across across Sussex and, it, and it's every member of staff within those GP settings so everything from the doctors to the um frontline staff to the receptionists to the nurses to uh pharmacists everyone that could come in contact with someone um mm. and it's really it's really beneficial um mm. It's a, it's a really wonderful thing to do and I'm, I'm thrilled that it's continued so I've just recently booked in uh, the next three months worth of that um, and I don't see it sort of slowing down anytime soon and it's one of those things that I think now we've been doing long enough that I've been able to actively see some of the results of it I've, I've heard of experiences of people having better better times with their with their doctors and I'm now very confident in being able to assist someone with those issues it's no um it's no uh, surprise to me when some when I speak to a, a trans and non-binary person, they're having issues with a doctor. That's quite a common thing, yeah. either because they don't necessarily know what to ask for, and there is this sort of real pressure on the individual to know exactly what it is they need and what they're entitled to and how they can get it, and you know all of these things. Um, and so to actually now be in a position where I think actually I can I can actively assist you with that, um, or if not, I can certainly point 
the GPs into uh, an area where they can get the assistance that they need to be better understanding. Um, so that's wonderful. That's a really that's a really large part of of what I've been doing. Um, on top of that, I do I deliver um, similar training, however, not as focused around primary care settings um, to just voluntary sector uh, community organisations. So that could be absolutely anyone. Um, we've worked very closely with Survivors Network um, and uh, uh, Possibility People and all sorts of, of different organisations. Um, and that's wonderful. That's um, we do it. We we charge for it. Obviously, it's it's one of the the income generating things that we can do as a charity. Um, but we also do open up um, free sessions for people to come along and sort of um, better themselves. We also have a very sliding scale of cost. I think, which is very important. So we're not. Um, I'm a big fan of that in everything that I do is that, that there isn't sort of a fixed price. We are looking at people's circumstances in order to better suit their needs in order to get what is very important to be done. I'm always very thankful if I get to go in and speak to anyone about any of this stuff. Um, and um, because it's not something that doesn't benefit all of us. Um, yeah. It's important to be able to, to, get, to yeah. get there. But that's something, yeah, I've been doing now for, um, I was doing it on the side of my sort of previous work. So whilst I was um, running sort of drop-ins and things like that, um, on the side, I was like, actually, let's go and do a little bit of training here, a little bit of training there. Um, and now it's sort of just bled into this idea of um, there's so much thirst for it. We're falling over ourselves with people wanting um, to try and understand things better. Um, so that's now my my pure focus. And it's really interesting how things change as well over the time that we've been doing it. You know, I'm no longer sitting in a room of people trying to explain to them what a pronoun is. Mm. Um, but not too long ago, that's exactly where we were at, you know, and people going, I just don't understand they, them pronouns. And I'm thrilled that that's not a conversation and sort of wasting as much time on. Um, <laughs> so, but it's, yeah, it's funny how those things sort of do sort yeah. of shift and, yeah. and move. Um, but a really, yeah, really wonderful thing to do. And really, yeah. I find it, um, I quite like the challenge of it. I, you know, it's, I quite, I quite often going into spaces where maybe things aren't going to be the nicest of environments. Um, yeah. And whilst I'm, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I'm very well supported um, through work um, and in any of those settings, if anything were to sort of go into a, an area that we weren't comfortable with, we would just end it. Um, mm. But I do quite like that. I quite, I quite enjoy that sort of. I find it very difficult for people to be. Um, challenging I suppose when you're when you're in front of them I think that's that's yeah. often that sort of diffuses things um and I'm you know and I'm lovely so I just sort of that, that comes, <laughs> sort of comes across and diffuses any situation um yeah. no it's very interesting I get you know I do get some interesting yeah. questions but but that's that's kind of to me that's kind of the purpose of it I feel like there's so yeah. much so much um of the sort of unpleasantness that are, that arrives is not intentional there is don't get me wrong there is intentional sort of hate out there um but i think there's a lot of just a lack of understanding uh, a fear of getting something wrong a fear mm. of consequences that maybe aren't the actual consequences you know with this sort of idea of being cancelled or having people turn yeah. on being called a bigot or something like that and yeah. um don't get me wrong there's plenty of instances where i think yeah let's cancel someone and let's call them a bigot <laughs> But that's not the, the approach for every situation. So I'd like to be able to um, create spaces where people can ask the questions that they maybe were yeah. unsure about doing and try and be sort of um, 
calm about it and understanding that that, that maybe not that maybe won't come out the way that that um that I would like to hear let alone what they mean so um yeah it's an interesting one but it's um, yeah you never really know what you're gonna get well it, it your passion for that comes across you know the the uh, I guess the the excitement the challenge of mm -hmm. of some of that but just how needed it is and 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 to hear that there's still a demand and a need you know there's still more people you know that that need to have this training um I, I guess I mean it'd be do you know if there's anything that's sort of rolling out in terms of the primary care setting training more um not internationally more nationally um I think um, there there are yeah there's definitely sort of other sort of areas where people are looking into things but I think because of what the LCS has been doing sort of here it's much um it's much more structured so it's just kind of being, being offered at a, at a grander scale but I think otherwise there are people sort of seeking things out this I think there is a drive for individual practices to be going actually we would like to better understand this or we would like to get better at doing this and I think actually that's something we're seeing across the board in a lot of areas is people thinking well maybe we were good at this but but do we need to be do we need to be able to show that we that we that we want to, to be better and therefore go, you know are approaching organizations for mm. for training um but also realizing that um this isn't just a situation that they're, they're coming into contact with because of the people they serve be it patients be it customers be it anything. It's, it's their staff it's their own it's their own yeah. families it's their own friends yeah. um and so it only really takes sort of one person to have contact. Um, and then they they do become, I think, a very passionate sort of ally in that respect and then can push for change themselves. And I think I see that quite a lot. It's very unusual yeah. for me to go into a setting now and I'm not, uh, you know, I used to, it's, it sounds so ridiculous now, but I feel like I used to early on ask questions in training sessions. I'd be like, does anyone know a trans person? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just a, it's a ridiculous question I've even dreamed to ask now um, and almost every single time someone actually volunteers some information about uh, a partner or a friend or a, or a, a loved one mm. um, uh, but it's, it's yeah it's such a sort of reductive question to ask and also you know you may you may have no idea um, yeah. so but it's um yeah we definitely see sort of a change I think a sweeping change in that which is positive I think yeah. And I think it's really easy to talk about things like they are all negative and everything is sliding downhill. But I also think it's really easy to talk about things in the other way and go, well, that's really positive. And the yeah. answer and, you know, the actuality of it is it's 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 neither of those things and it's both those things. Um, there are people having really awful experiences yes. uh, in so many areas. Um, and yeah. there is a lot of joy and support and love also yes. um, out there. So, but it's yeah. it's not one person's experience is not consistent with um another's mm. at all um yeah. even in a very small box you know mm. you could be right next to each other in the same town going to the same areas and having just wildly different experiences yeah and i think that's that's really important to recognize yeah and i think that that's i think that that's so important because it's it is it is another side to the trans and non-binary story that you wouldn't hear if you only focused on what was presented in the media i think that that's um important because I, 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 I know from conversations that i've had with um uh trans and non-binary people that 
if you only focus on that or if you're so it can feel overwhelming mm. and and it's not to say that the positive cancels out the negative but it's it's so important to hear those positive stories as well and the and, the, and absolutely that there are people that uh want this training and want to learn and want to change and want to grow in their understanding of gender yeah and i think it's very important to sort of seek out the good as well i think to not i yeah. think it's very easy to sort of get absorbed into negative thing there was a really interesting uh yougov uh poll that came out in the last week or so which which had had lots of stats and it was particularly uh it was a survey amongst lgbt people about lgbt people mm. which was really interesting and it just showed a couple of key factors that i think people wouldn't necessarily be aware of and one was that sort of cisgender queer people are overwhelmingly uh positively supporting trans people which yeah. if you listen to the media, you might hear the complete opposite. In particular, yeah. cisgender lesbians were the most sort of in favor of, of trans folk. And I think actually there's a narrative out there that says that's not the case. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, uh, there's a really interesting question, which was asking um, queer people to, uh, well, it was one asking them how they felt about each sort of, um, part of the lgbt umbrella um but also it was asking them what they thought the public thought of those mm -hmm. people and there was a really interesting study in that in that overwhelmingly everyone really loved trans people why wouldn't they um but when asked what do they think the general public thinks of trans people oh my gosh overwhelmingly negative mm -hmm. and it really shows that sort of level of um spin there that the media has on that because looking at it from the outside you would think yeah that's you know we don't we don't like these, um, yeah. but actually, you know, when you ask people directly, they're like, "Of course, yes, do it." You know, it's it's, it's yeah. ridiculous. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it is very important to then talk to people, talk to people directly. You know, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it seems ridiculous for me to be sort of sitting here going screaming fake news after everything <laughs> we've been through for the last, you know, sort of five or six years. But there is, you know, there's, there's massive yes. elements of that, particularly within this space. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's easy to forget when you're reading uh, text on a page that we're talking about people, people that you can yeah. speak to, people that you can interact with, people that you are interacting with, um, yeah. people that are, you know, you know, scanning your shopping in the supermarket or, you know, performing operations in hospitals and you know, doing all the things that all other people do. So, um, yeah. yeah, they are just people out there. Don't don't you yeah, know, yeah. be reading too much about anyone on a on a page. Yeah. And I I just want people to really be able to think critically about the things that they are reading, because if you if you're seeing something that says trans people no longer want cis people to be able to use the word mother, that's <laughs> not happening. So really, please think critically about some of these headlines that you're that, that you might be reading, because it's uh, yeah, nonsense. I think for the most part, if it seems bonkers. <laughs> it, it might be bonkers you know and i think and people aren't you know people aren't that unreasonable or that sort of yeah. like out there um yeah. and and yeah but it's um there's some there's some wild stories that, that go around that get picked up in this sort of desperate um you know chasing of of uh of clicks and of um yeah. of power in that space you know and it's always yeah. going to be the most outrageous stories that generate that level of interest yeah. You know this idea of sort of like what was it what was the thing about the 
children in schools using litter boxes because they're identifying as cats and things and you're like oh, yeah it's a, of course a really juicy story it's as juicy the story as, as ufos or the loch ness monster but it's as real as those things also you know it's yeah, like yeah. of course those things are going to be bonkers um yeah. really you know i don't know it's 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 a wild sort of um a wild situation really what you've got is you've got a bunch of people just asking for better healthcare and legal protection yeah. in the spaces that they need to access um in order to just sort of safely go on with their lives mm. um it, it really doesn't come down to any any more than that yeah so important to remember okay so so a little bit about Transpride, how did that so you co-founded Transpride mm. Hastings and you have it's like 15 events over eight days and it seems to have gone incredibly well. So yeah, yeah. tell me a little bit about how that all came about. Uh well, first of all, I guess what I would say to you is if someone comes to you at any point in your life and says, Let's start a Pride event, just think very long and hard about what that entails and whether that's something you want to enter into. Um yeah, very lucky. So uh, uh, you mentioned it at the top, but after the the vigil that I'd arranged for Brianna back in February, um, I was really startled by the level of support that actually I saw in my hometown uh, for the community. Um, sadly, as a trans person, it is not unusual for us to hold vigils. Um, it's something I do one every year for uh, Trans Day of Remembrance, but also, there are times throughout the year where we um, we may need to do that. Mm. Um, and they're not pleasant. It's not a fun thing, obviously, to do. And usually I, I'm sort of sat there, certainly in my hometown, and I'm, and I'm waiting for, you know, the dozen, um, the dozen trans people to sort of turn up and we'll sit there and have a reading, light a candle, and, and sort of mope off. It's not, it's not very nice. Mm. Um, however, with this... Uh, situation with Brianna in February and I realised that was obviously that was a, a horrific moment you know Brianna's murder um, was uh, just unbelievable um, and I think because she was a young person and also it was uh, the, the the murder was committed by young people as well that, that puts a level of responsibility beyond those people that's on us as a society it's on that is on the media that is on everything that we do there aren't there aren't um there aren't kids just just coming up in that space they're being influenced um so yeah so it was a very emotive sort of setting and i think as a member of the trans community we'd seen that coming for a long time you know it was sort of like this is where we're heading this is where it's going to start to go and then suddenly it happened um so we arranged this vigil and to my surprise, 150 people turned up. Wow. And um, that was really startling. And um, it was really lovely. It's a really lovely um, moment um, with both an enormous amount of people from within the community, but also allies from, from outside. Um, and it was at that moment that uh, Zed, uh, Gregory, the um, my co-organizer and co-founder of Transport Hastings. Um, we knew each other sort of briefly a little bit before we'd met in tattoo parlors and various other things and sort of crossed over. Um, but it was at that event that actually we started talking about 
maybe there's there's more we can do here. Maybe there's something we we can start to think about. Um, and we started to meet then on a sort of weekly basis to be like, what what could we do? Is is there a space for for a pride event? Uh, is there enough to support uh, a pride event in in what is a, a, a smallish town? Um, and on the thirty first of March for Trans Day Visibility, we announced that we were uh, arranging Trans Pride Hastings. Um, so yeah, so flash forward from that three months or whatever it was from uh, from March to July, um, and it, it happened. We 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 had Trans Pride Hastings, first one of its kind um, this year. It was an eight day long event. Uh, from the 22nd, Saturday the 22nd of July up until the 29th, 15 separate events across um, across the town, but also neighbouring towns. We started off in Bexhill as well, so we didn't just, um, it was really important that we didn't just concentrate in Hastings and St Leonard's. Um, and we tried to do free events based around sort of community and um, sort of bringing people together, engaging the town, engaging the support that we knew was there um whilst offering something for absolutely everybody for free uh to sort of bring people together and it was yeah i'm really happy to say it was a, it was an overwhelming success um yeah. it was um yeah it was an incredible it's an incredible thing i think i'm still looking at it this point I'm, I'm struggling to look back at it and gone gosh we did that because yeah there's been a lot of strange things that said throughout that week you know where times where we were speaking on stage at various events and things and people would be like and here's victoria and zed founders of transport hastings and i'm thinking that's not that's not what the setting is like we're not transport hastings but all of us were transport hastings and are yeah. um and really all zed and i did was was push a, a boulder off a hill you yeah. know we joined some dots up the rest just kind of happened um but we were very lucky with how it happened and and, and i think we had some very clear goals for what we wanted to achieve with it. Um, obviously, it's slightly unusual to do a Pride event in the last eight days and not a single day, um, but that was very intentional. You know, it was very yeah. important to me that it wasn't something that just came and went in a day. Yeah. It could be missed. That could be, uh, for whatever reason, could be rained off. Um, and yeah. um, and I wanted to, to have a bit of a sort of town takeover. I wanted people to know um we were really aware of as we are when we look at any sort of statistics of the population or when we have that vigil or um just in my own experience i'm aware that there is support out there um it's just silent just a lot of it yeah. is ever so silent and so what i really wanted to do is just make that uh audible and make it visible um and and i think we really managed to do that i think it was it was yeah. we did a really good job at, at, at and getting local businesses involved and getting them sort of to sort of show that they were uh, in support of, of the community. Um, whilst at the same time providing a series of spaces and activities that people within the community and outside of, you know, there was some some mixing there as well, um, could do things to bring each other together. I wanted people to come into that week uh, in one place and leave in a better place. Um, mm. That was, that was the, the whole goal, meet someone, on day one at a tattoo event or a life drawing event and then by the last event which was a big beach picnic um see those people again and and have formed friendships or yeah. to understand that you're not in quite as small of a of a bubble as you were or, or that it's safe to sort of widen your your walls a little bit um mm. and 
experience this sort of love and, and joy that was there. Um, and the town was beautiful. The town really got behind it too, which is great. So we had mm. trans flags over the town hall and over a couple of other council buildings. Um, the lifeguards put up a, a trans flag amongst theirs. Um, and we have um, there's a, along the, the promenade on the seafront, there's a place called Bottle Alley, which is a, a big sort of walkway that's very long going from the pier to St. Leonard's. Um, and it has lights all the way through it, and they lit those up in transparent colours for the entire week mm. as well. So it was a real sort of visible thing, yeah. sort of effort to to show support and to make um, a safe and sort of welcoming um, experience and 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 area. Um, and you know, my whole goal was to just get more queer people into Hastings. Yeah. Like, come, come here, come here. Yeah. Uh, so, and I, I think, I think we achieved that. I think you know, yeah. I, it's um. I think there was so much that I got out of it that, that I that I don't take from other trans pride events, and it's only because mm. of the nature of the format. Yes, um, it's lovely to have a big, wonderful day out that feels uh, well. That first of all has a a very prominent march, you know, like we have in Brighton. Yes. Um, that is very important. That is significant. That does feel like a riot. That does feel like thirty thousand angry people going i yes. need things to be better you know yeah. i we need to do this and that's that's vitally important and we didn't do a march this year in hastings it didn't feel like it was the right thing for us to do with um being at a smaller scale in our first year it didn't feel like that was the right thing to do in terms of okay. how could we offer the level of safety and protection yeah. that we would want to those individuals you know we can never i think it, we've you know, over time, in a lot of areas, we've got we've gotten used. People have gotten used to saying this is a safe space, and I think actually it's very difficult to promise that. Yeah. Um, so instead, what we did was we actually we paid to take people from Hastings over to Brighton, and we marched in the big Brighton march. Um, right. So that was fantastic, but I think that setting of having a big march, which I think is is very important, and then having a single day of joy. Um, it does sort of leave you as sort of like it feels a bit like a day out, yeah. and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But it, the yeah. next day, it, it's gone, yeah. um, and I really loved the idea that we had just something to do today, and then tomorrow I'm looking forward to this, and then there's two things tomorrow, and then I'm going I'm going skating yeah. on Thursday. I've got a party on Friday, and it's a picnic on Saturday. You know, all of these things, and it just um, it was beautiful, and and yeah. every single event became my favourite one as the <laughs> week progressed. Um, and there was, yeah, it was, it was just, just the most beautiful thing I've, I've, I've seen. I, I am, yeah. I'm bowled over with how well it went. And, and no wonder there's been a bit of a come down that sort of feels more empty, I guess, of, of yeah. after such a, oh, well, I mean, the way that you describe it just sounds so, so important that you had the, 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 the forethought to have it over an extended period of time. And I, I don't think it can be underestimated just how important an event like or events like that are to to the trans community when when they're feeling shit and when they are in a really low place maybe at that point they can go yeah but there was that business that joined in that event and and That's there it. were people, there were people there like you know you 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 you've made the silence the silent support loud you've made the invisible support visible and that can't be underestimated 
the impact that that's going to have on someone's mental health at a time when they might really need it. I went into this week, um, you know, even as as even as someone who's who's organised a lot of it, you know, I still went into it thinking I can count all of the trans people in this town on my hands and feet, and then sort of come out of it going, oh my gosh, I need a dozen more hands and feet because it's it's so much. Uh, there's so much more there than I was yeah. aware of and seeing people going I didn't realize and the, the stories yeah. we kept hearing was I didn't realize this was here I didn't realize that yeah. that these people were here I didn't realize that, that I was accepted in this way or these spaces were okay for me um, yeah. and and that was that was incredible so just yeah I mean talk about history making though and I know that you're deflecting some of that you know people <laughs> were introducing me as the founder but you co-founded a history-making series of events that just, well, like I said, of uh, highlights this, the, perhaps the safety that people didn't realise was, was there before. Um, that's a history-making event. It was cool. It was cool, and I, you know, I, I still, <laughs> I still maintain I've never felt safer in my own town. It's, we're very fortunate that throughout everything, we've worked very closely with. Um, the Trans Pride UK Collective, which is a okay. newly formed, formed in February sort of collective of all the trans prides that take place across the UK. And so we meet regularly, we all share um, knowledge and resources uh, throughout that, which is really helpful. And we also coordinate. So it's brilliant having, you know, 14, 15 different trans prides that are taking place, but it's mm. no good they all take place on the same weekend. So yes. we try and sort of spread them out so they you really do get a sort of series of, of yeah. uh, a few weeks where you, there's just something yeah. going on all the time. So we we've we've we talked about so much and I, there's still other things I want to ask you, but um do you when we think about purpose, I mean a lot of the things that you are talking about that you're involved in sound so meaningful. Do do you relate to the word purpose? Is it does it can you kind of say yes this this is something that gives me purpose yeah i think so i think it's really yeah it's a tricky one isn't it? so my idea of purpose i think was so very much attached to my own experience of my own uh identity and transition and coming out and all of this um in that in that that gave me an additional purpose you know sort of sort of on a very personal level I now had a reason to continue on to, you know, I think I think I can look at myself personally and go and look at my life and go, there's, there's almost two halves. There's a, there's a half where I didn't really care too much um, because things didn't sort of fit or work in the way that they should. And then there's the half I'm in now where I, I really do care quite strongly about that um because i you know man so and so from that i get this other purpose of actually that's true to myself that is sort of like actually look after yourself enjoy things experience as much as possible live in in the very sort of essence of what i think that word's supposed to mean so i think i have a responsibility to myself to get the most out of my own life now it's particularly as i feel like I feel like I was on the back foot because of transitioning later in life and sort of thinking, actually, there's a bunch of time that I can't get back. And yeah. so let's maximise the time that we've got. If anyone is better off at the end of, of anything that I've ever been a part of, including myself, job done. 
that's yeah. that's kind of it you know and mm. and how we measure being better off you know it's it's really it's really um important i guess it's yeah. it's just did, did someone enjoy themselves for a moment did someone forget about something difficult for a moment i feel like nowadays in my life there's less choices i'm making less choices i'm doing things i'm just i'm just i'm just kind of doing things because they i feel like they need to happen i'm not it's not I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be the things that I want to do are very significant and important to me personally um, and that's not because I'm doing them because they're important to me yeah I'm just doing them and they're important to me yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. so because I because I because because they're important to me for reasons for, for things that I didn't choose yeah you know like my yeah. own personal set of circumstances related to my gender for example I didn't pick those this we're all just sort of trying to do our best I think yeah it's an interesting one yeah I don't know what my purpose is <laughs> no no and I think that that's that's also okay and and like you say just things within just existing have purpose mm. and um yeah it's it's an interesting question uh tell me a little bit about your the creation of my gender rules because i'm uh oh gosh yes uh yeah so my gender rules is my little fun funky actually all of the stuff right in front of me which seems way too uh way too planned um i promise it wasn't planned (laughs) so my gender rules is my sort of i guess sort of queer brand of affirming um yeah affirming lgbt affirming apparel and ephemera i like to think of it as i guess um so it started off really with with attending pride events and me going i want a badge i want a badge to wear and there's a million badges at pride events you get them everywhere they're always pronoun badges or they say you know queer joy or something that it's all great i love it but i've got a million of them and i wanted something that was more specific to me so i started to come up with my own sort of set of badges um, and these were all sorts of things. Let me see if I've got some examples of, of some of the designs. Um, I think the first one I ever did, these are just little cards that have got the designs on them. But the first one I ever did said, proud queer. And I thought, that's me. I'll wear a badge that says proud queer. Um, in fact, this one had the full set of it. Protect trans kids was the other the other one that was really important at the time. Yeah. Um, and I started to, to, to work on these little slogans I guess that I thought would be good for badges that express the things that I wanted to express that weren't already out there in typical LGBTQIA plus uh, badge material you know I wasn't interested in seeing things saying love is love and you know um and pronoun stuff I, I had enough of that um but because of the people that I was around people in the community and the people I supported I decided to talk to them and sort of look at what what would they want if they wanted things and that very quickly got a lot of feedback that was very specific uh, that people wanted to sort of better represent themselves um at the neurodivergent group that I uh used to help work at they really really wanted a badge it just said tell me if you're flirting um <laughs> And it was like, that's brilliant. Amazing. I'll, I'll yes. do that, you know. Um, and so every single one of my badges was 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 really inspired by by people I know. I've got one that says Tall Girl Club. Um, and uh, I'll give you some of the examples. Queer Beast, uh, HRT of Darkness. I love that one. 
Um, <laughs> them fatale. Um, stuff your face. Uh, yeah, and, and all sorts of like just little queer sort of like affirming mantras, and they would just sell them in little packs of of four little four badges. Um, and we later went on and ended up doing prints. I did a, a wonderful print um, that just says the coast is queer, um, which is which was really gay, which was really really popular around sort of obviously living by the seaside. Um, and uh, the most popular thing I ever did was a bag. I mean, a tote bag that just said into weird shit. Um, <laughs> and it was such a, it was so adopted by so many people inside and outside of the community. But the real purpose for all of this was to raise, was to raise money. Um, and as I said, sort of starting out, I just wanted some fun things to represent how I was feeling to better sort of yeah. show off who I was. Um, yeah. And I very quickly in making these little badges, I mean, they've got those. Uh, so the ability to then sell them, and there was no, I didn't need anything. I didn't need to make anything from them because really what I got out of it was I got my cool badge. Yeah. Um, so then the brand just turned into a thing where it was like everything that, that we that we make, all of the uh, funds being driven for it would go into a bursary fund that would then go straight back out to uh, the local community or... Um, areas that I could fundraise for. So mm -hmm. this year, all of the funding from My Gender Rules went into um, Transparent Hastings uh, to directly support that. But prior to that, um, it had gone into a fund just so that um, I used to be a trustee of a, of a local LGBT charity here. Um, and we did have some funds within that charity to support those that needed it if, if, if people wanted to, to go and do something and they couldn't. But I always hated the fact, and I'm not going to talk too much about the charity, but I always hated the fact that when those scenarios presented themselves, when someone did require something that, that needed money, there was this awful sort of, or it wasn't, it was awful as far as I was concerned, this decision-making process of how vulnerable is this person, how poor mm -hmm. is this person, um, how much do they need, whatever it is. And we and try and be this, as there always will be when money's involved, you know, the sort of like... Uh, decision-making process that I felt I had no right to be a part of you know mm. as, um, as someone working there I was involved in that process but I didn't like it I didn't, I didn't right. enjoy that yeah. um, and so my gender rules was then the, the funding aspect of that was started to just create a fund that went it doesn't matter I don't I don't care what your background is I don't care whether you've got money in the bank I don't care whether you're I mean, obviously, I do you care about all these things? But I mean, I don't. I'm not. It doesn't matter how vulnerable you are, or or anything. If if people need it, we'll just mm. we'll just be able to do it. Um, and it always went into sort of lovely things. I think we went um, with the local groups uh, around here. We went for some meals one time, or we went to the theatre, and it just allowed us to just pay for it all without mm. there being any sort of concern um, in that. And so, yeah, it's just kind of just kind of spiraled from that. Uh, the badges are always super successful. I always get absolutely hounded wherever I go with them. I've always got them on me, um, and um, yeah, just a really, a really, really lovely sort of wholesome thing. But it was selfishly, it was born out of <laughs> going. I would quite like a badge that says "respect my pronouns" and ask me out. You know? <laughs> um, and so, or you know, a very popular one just says "not all authors are turfs," um, <laughs> which I think is important to remember. So yeah. I mean, make stickers. You know, I'd make stickers that would go everywhere that people uh, may have seen on their travels. Uh, 
fab ones that just say gender punk um or the coast is queer clicking on queer shit um but and they're not all sort of trans related so you know um a sticker that says a good spot to be gay uh we've got ones that say girl on girl power um oh you know all sorts of things that are that are sort of represented just because where can people go and buy your my gender rules stuff yeah so you can go to the website the website is just mygenderrules.com online or you can find us on uh, instagram as well at my gender rules um everything's always there actually something i do want to call out with regards to my gender rules i did make one ally badge uh which is just a single so i sell the, the little packs of four badges they're five pounds for a pack, they're all very lovely. Um, but I do sell an ally badge as well. That is a little green badge that says ally without question on it, and it is ten pounds. Nice. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, because yes. it's very important. I think you know, it's sort of like it's very easy to buy. You can go on Amazon and buy a t-shirt that says you're an ally. I wouldn't advise it. Yeah. Um, but actually to 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 um the badge means nothing, it's the donation yes. that does. Um, and my website is cheeky enough to at checkout say, would you like to pay double? Um, and I'm very happy to report, and it's something that I would recommend anyone else do, that every single person that's bought an ally badge from my gender rules has paid £20. Which, is, yes. which makes me want to put an option on it and say, would you like to pay triple? Um, <laughs> but I probably won't push it that oh. far. Um, but I really, I, you know, I really support that. I think it's sort of like when people ask, what can i do to be a better ally how can i yeah. how can i help and there is you know there's lots of things you can answer that with of being um of educating yourself of, of looking at resources of not relying on the trans non-binary and intersex individuals in your life to do that for you you can do that of course but if you really want a simple way if you really want a simple way just put your hand in your pocket yeah you know um donate to someone's crowdfunder or or yes. give to charity that's supporting them that is a really simple way of doing it go to these local small businesses and and creators that are out there there's plenty of them and just support yeah. them with something it's uh it does make a real big difference it seems silly because i think maybe um we're used to it in other areas of our lives of of being sort of precious over money and and being careful with those things around that but actually within these sort of spaces that can make a real uh, a real sort of big difference and and i would say to 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 those on the other side ask you know don't be afraid to ask uh for help in those things mm. um certainly when we were looking at, at um at fundraising for transparent hastings we were really uh we were really minimal at first we were really sort of like look come on if you can give us a tenner it'll really help it'll, you know i can put that to this and then we'll have 20 pounds and then that'll really help and then by the end of sort of going into places and going if you've got 500 quid that you can give us because that will that will make this one space so much better for 30 people um yeah. people were doing that when they could um and sometimes it's because they 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 haven't got the time or the capacity or the understanding necessarily to do more than that but they are able to um, and not everyone's able to obviously that's understand we're all squeezed yep. at the moment um but um yeah i don't think anyone is is uh is squeezed more than than these uh minority groups so i think yeah. that we could um we could certainly do yeah. it's a really it doesn't it just makes a huge impact more than anyone would realize yes yeah i love that um so finally, let's let's talk about power. Um, and I think, you know, 
there's a thread of that throughout just talking about uh, LGBT, trans, non-binary, intersex people anyway. So I'm, I'm interested in what kind of comes up for you when you think about power, but I kind of want to ask really mostly what makes you feel powerful? Ah. I think that's a more interesting question. <laughs> Crumbs, okay. What makes me feel powerful? Um, I'm not sure I, I very often do feel powerful. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, the obvious answer would be eyeliner. But um, <laughs> but it wouldn't be the most sort of serious of answers. Um, no, I love that. What makes me feel powerful? I guess um, it, a lot of it is to do with with is to do with sort of going outside of those areas where I feel the most sort of comfortable, I suppose, um, and. Um, again it's double-edged um and 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 then them being okay i think is the sort of like that's the kicker on it it's sort of like it's it's one thing to sort of like i say i don't often feel powerful i think i live in a space where quite often i am terrified of doing things um and so there are regular moments where i get into situations and spaces that are very mundane and i suddenly think well done <laughs> um but actually each time that those are okay then I, it, it does give you an additional sort of feeling of sort of strength and power in your mm. own sort of space in your own sort yeah. of self um so so that yeah there were elements of it that were i'm um, just sort of like just for powerful and just getting getting out there every single day and, and, and doing things and not sort of um not sort of succumbing to to some of the negativity that that I can see um, yeah. that's out there, um, but it, that doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that I'm impervious to any of it that that, that does come my way, and I do have wobbles all the time. Um, but I think I think I should feel um, I think I should feel sort of some of that power in, in just in just being able to, to sort of do things um which seems when I, when I say it it seems sort of like it seems quite sad and i don't mean it to be sad because it's not um but you know there's not a day that goes by it's been you know my my own experience with my own gender and sort of my transition is now it's now a long-winded one it's no i'm no longer talking like something that i did yesterday or mm. you know, in terms of coming out and stuff Mm. Uh, but it hasn't stopped. It's never stopped. It hasn't sort of, sort of um, altered in any way throughout that. It's something that's just a very ongoing understanding that shifts and changes and, and things like that. Um, and so I think just being able to sort of walk my own walk in terms of that is what gives me a great deal, a great deal of feeling of sort of like power and strength in, in just who I am and sort of yeah. um, this sort of commitment to understanding myself in a way that i think most people typically don't look at them sort of most cisgender people think don't really ever look at and sort of examine and and, yeah. and discuss in a way that that trans people often do um and i never thought i would sort of starting out i think i had a really i think i had a really decent understanding of my own experience and uh, identity when i first 
began exploring that. And actually what I've learned is that, no, of course I didn't, not at all. It's all, all of it's nonsense. Um, so there's an enlightenment that comes with that, which feels really powerful. Yeah. Um, but it's also very personal and very isolated in that respect. It's not something that I think is transferable. Um, I can tell people a little bit of what I'm trying to convey, but I can't even convey it in a very easy way. Um, mm. Even then, it's literally limited to myself. So it's like an incredible form of energy that can that can't affect in any sort of real capacity anything else. Um, which is, I guess, it's probably that's probably the what makes it so great and what makes it so sort of safe in that respect. Because if it could impact others then there's a there's a, a mass amount of, of responsibility that comes with that um but um so yeah so i think just sort of like living my my own truth and, I, and by that and i think it's really easy to sort of take that to mean oh you mean like being who you are because you're like, i don't really mean that like me being me is not my truth but actually my actions on a daily basis the, the decisions i make the things i do that is my truth that is uh the choices and the, and the things that i'm doing um and that's and so much of that isn't connected to me being trans um yeah. uh but but uh, there was a time when it was yeah. you know there was a time when actually looking forwards um understanding and involving sort of who i am was it was a very big part of of me getting to a place where i could start living my truth but actually now that that's kind of done now that i've sort of stepped onto that conveyor belt or, or whatever you want to think of it as um it's much more expansive it's much more beyond beyond yeah. that um but yes but other than that i'm not very powerful at all i don't feel <laughs> so powerful um, i uh... I think I'm going to continue to unapologetically ask that question because I think it's it's challenging because we don't often think about our own power. We can. Mm. I, I heard someone on Instagram talking about how we often talk about female empowerment, but we don't often hear uh, women talking about how they feel powerful. Sure. And so I think asking the question gets people to think about owning their power and yeah. what that might look like. And so I know that that you know that might not necessarily be something that you've thought about or, or anyone that I'm asking this question to has got a, a very succinct answer to this question. But I love the thought process that is happening when I'm asking the question <laughs> and people are starting to go, oh, okay, yeah, when, what is power? Because it's one of those words that has double edges for yeah. sure. Um, and so... Someone's gonna shock to... you. Someone's gonna pick up a, a remote control and go, wow, if I press this button, and and you're just you'll be you know you know world of chaos but um yeah it's it is an interesting thing i think i think it does and it does involve people accepting a certain degree of um i don't know understanding for their own sort of worth as well yes and, yes and we're also we're all very good at going Yes, you know, yeah, um, that, as well as you know, sure. taking up any sort of idea of not taking up any sort of real sort of substantial space. Um, yes, and I think that's you know that's really that's really interesting. I talked to uh, a friend recently about just dating nonsense, 
uh, just absolutely dirty nonsense. And um, and they were about to uh, start a new relationship with someone uh, who was a woman. They've never dated a woman before. And it would have put them in a visibly queer, uh, for want of a better word, lesbian relationship. Um, and they're really nervous about that. And uh, and we were talking a little bit about it because I, it's a really interesting thing. I think, um, you know, I myself, my, my partner is a woman and um, and I, I hadn't anticipated getting into a relationship with a woman before, before her. Um, but there was an interesting sort of like reshift of things. There's a degree of power that comes with this is what I'm trying to get at is that looking at sort of LGBTQIA plus spaces and going, actually, I'm part of this community, but I'm part of this community because I'm trans. Yeah. And understanding the differences within that, that umbrella that encompasses us all for a, a myriad of reasons, you know, but largely the fact that we've like all been, you know, sort of uh, left out by society in some way or pathologized in some way and things like that. Yeah. But understanding that, you know, lesbian, gay, and bisexual and things are very different. Than, sexualities versus you know trans and intersex yeah. and binary and stuff um so to suddenly find yourself sort of identifying with another aspect of that sort of umbrella is um is both daunting in some ways it gives you another sort of visible if you look at it in the way that the media would may want to it's it's maybe another visible target yeah. You know, so now I'm thinking, gosh, okay, so I'm walking down the street as a trans woman, but I'm also walking down the street in uh, in what is being perceived as a as a lesbian couple. Um, and that gives something else. But also there's a degree of like extra strength that comes from that. And now and to be able to do that with another individual as well is a huge part of that. So now I look at a pride flag, for example, and it means something different to me. And yeah. I've got this other world that has kind of opened up a little bit. And I guess do that with my partner and engage with her on that. Um, and so there's this real sort of sense of, I guess what I'm getting at is this sort of tribal, like communal group protection um, and and shared power and pride yeah. that comes with that. Um, that was very different. For me, it was very different sort of coming into that space from uh, an aspect where it was just about sort of my gender identity. Yeah. Um, which does feel different. Yeah. Um, and, and I think people forget that. I think people forget that all the time that actually under that sort of umbrella, people can be under many different things. You know, you can be trans and gay and you can be intersex, yeah. bisexual or whatever. And um so yeah, so there's like a real strength in that. So I think, yeah, um, I don't know. There's, um, it makes me think about that sort of that uh, the understanding of power when I'm with my people. That's it. Yeah, that or collective my, power. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And that's and 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 that's also a slightly there's elements of that right that I don't like as a statement. I don't think that's sort of like expressed in the most eloquent way. But I guess what I'm saying is that sort of that feeling of of pride, as however we interpret that, but understanding of that um, is something that gives gives us a great deal of strength, and that's why it's important. That's why it's vital, yeah. Um, yeah. and it's why it's also important and vital that it isn't 
that when you've got people asking, well, why are we all in this together? Why is it all the same? Why do trans people need to be here as well as gay people? Well, you know, that's why, because we are stronger um, yeah. in that setting and because, um, and we are, we're not single issue people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just sort of having, having that. I don't know, I'm rambling on a little bit about sort of nothing. <laughs> no, it it made me think about, um, about that, um, that yeah. balance. Yeah. Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. For sure, I could literally talk to you all day. Um, the, the, I just, I love hearing you talk, and I love hearing your passion and just your humanness as well, and the the, the trials that come along with with life. Um, it's really important to acknowledge that that there is just not, you know, nothing nothing exists in this excellent, wonderful space all the time. There is really challenges in it as well. Um, so thank you so much for being here thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast and I really hope you enjoyed it please like and subscribe and if you really want to help me out I would love it if you could leave me a review and share my podcast with friends who you think would also enjoy it this podcast was produced by Lexi at Digital Hero and the music was created by Charlie at Walters Music Productions